What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here with us as we launch into spring season at Fathom Church. Around here, springtime means we're getting ready for our annual neighborhood party, egg hunt, and resurrection nocturne, and two Sunday services on Easter morning. Hop on over to fathom.church forward slash look up for more details on all of these awesome upcoming events. Remember to check us out on the Church Center app or find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Uh, what is up, Fathom Fam? How are you guys doing today? Okay, so like a six out of ten, you guys six out of ten? I think we can do better. How are you doing today? <laughs> awesome. Hey, let's show some love to our online family today. We love you, Fathom fam, watching us online, spread out all over the place. Thankful for technology today to be able to stay connected um, no matter where you're at. I'm excited for, uh, to dive into part two of our new series called On Purpose. Uh, you know, as adults, kids, you won't understand this, teens, you won't understand this, but as adults, uh, we interact in these conversations all the time, and it's inevitable in pretty much every conversation as we're getting to know someone, uh, someone will ask the question, what do you do for a living, right? And uh, depending on what you do for work or what you don't do for work, um, you either love or hate this question. Um, if you love what you do for work and you just can't wait to talk about it, or, or you think it has some bit of prestige in society, then you love this question because you're just like, yes, I am a biomechanical engineer. And, and people are like, oh, wow, I have no idea what that is. Like, that's, that's awesome. Or I'm an astronaut. You're like, oh, my gosh. You know, um, but you, if, if uh, you have a profession maybe that, that, that you don't feel you love or you're not passionate about or, or one that in society doesn't get looked at like, ooh, ah, then you, you may not love that question. If you, if you hate kind of where you're at, it's just the reality of, of, of where you're at in life. I, I've always, I've, I've shared this before, I've always, though I love what I do, I hate that question. I hate that question um, because things get awkward. It gets weird as soon as I say, hey, I'm a pastor. Um, I remember being in the shoe store over at the town center and we're having a great conversation with a couple. And then uh, that question comes up. We talked to them in the shoe store for like 20 minutes. And then, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor, and it's like these people could not get out of the shoe store fast enough. Like, they just literally about face. Like, I don't know if they thought I was about to exercise some demons out of them or what, but that's kind of the pace in which they exited the shoe store. Um, I actually love to, like, hang on to that. It's just, I love for it to be just a real big surprise for people. I love to hang out, and I'll just be like, yeah, so I teach, and um, I, do, I do some counseling, and um, I do some organizational stuff, administrative stuff. I help people find their purpose. And they're like, cool, that's like kind of mysterious. Um, um, I, I, I used to teach guitar. I'd tell them I'd make tables or something. I would just try to hide this until they really pushed me to the point. Like, so like, who do you work for? Like, what do you do? And, and I'm like, I work for God. <laughs> and like, I'm a pastor. And then I, lo- I, just, I love that because it, 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 they don't expect it. One, because they think I'm, I'm too young to be a pastor, and I'm like, I've actually been doing this a long time. Um, uh, so that's always even more surprising to them, but I, 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 hate, I, I hate the question. hate the question, because we, we don't understand, and, and particularly here, it, even in, uh, in Jacksonville, uh, some of you were raised Catholic, were raised in the Catholic environment, so 
when someone says, hey, they're a pastor, like what you think is like a priest, like someone who wears a collar, who's not married. Um, and today, as we move into part two of our series, I, I want to I help you as I, I think on the heels of 2020, many of us, I think, are, are just wanting to lean into, God, what do you have for me? Like, what have you called me to do? What is my purpose in this world? I think 2020 was a year in which we were dealing with a lot of stuff here, and on the backside of that, we're wrestling with deeper questions, bigger questions. And some of us are dealing with those consciously, like, I'm ready for a change now in my profession. And some of us subconsciously, where it's like, I just, as we were just singing, God, I know there's more. Like, I know you have something more for me. And so last week, I said throughout this series on purpose, we're going to be in one verse and that's going to be our backdrop. That's going to be the foundation for this. And it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So I'm going to go into another phrase, another element of this. Last week we talked about the phrase that we're chosen people. Our calling to salvation in Jesus Christ. To belong to him. That we're his own possession. And that we also belong to the body of Christ. We talked about that first phrase, chosen people. Today we're going to look at the second one. And like I challenged you last week, I want to challenge you today I want to challenge you to memorize this one verse. Like if you don't have another verse memorized in scripture, I want you to memorize this one. Like we can all remember Jesus wept. You know, we all, we all gave that one, you know, when we were, you know, for those of you that grew up in Sunday school, we're like, what's your favorite verse? And, and it was always the funny kid in class who would be like, Jesus wept. I, I actually, as I got older, I'm like, that is one of my favorite scriptures. It really is. I mean, just the depth and presence of, God himself feel, I mean, anyway, I'll preach that if I get down to it. So let's go into 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read this out loud together. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Oh, 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 wait a second, what? Priesthood, all of you, like, so we're chosen people and we're a priesthood too? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm telling you today. That's what the scriptures tell you. Let's start over. I messed this up. Let's do it together. Now y'all are a little bit nervous. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love this scripture. It's so full in its expression of who we are. And it is who we are that defines what we do. If you really think about the scripture, it's really all about identity, and out of our identity flows what we do with our life. And so I, I pray that I'm able, I, I hope that I'm able to help us process questions about our calling, as it's sometimes phrased. What am I doing with my career? Or sometimes we're going to explore the word vocation and really what vocation means. Like, this is what I do for my vocation, professional life. And I hope that you have a much deeper understanding about how God has called you to live on purpose and the purpose that he has called you to live with. So yeah, we're going to talk about this phrase of a royal priesthood. And, and what I am saying and what the scriptures tell us is that you're all priests. You're not just a priest, you're a royal priest at that. Some of y'all just like need to shrug it off. Like you've been worried about what you do for a living and you just need to be reminded your identity in Christ is royal. How's that feel, Andrew? That feel good? Some of y'all getting comfortable with the idea of, of, of pre, like a royal priesthood. 
This is something that, that God had intended for his chosen people forever. This, this word priest shows up 700 times in the Old Testament. And, and, and here, here's one of those places. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. God says, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Sound familiar? <laughs> kingdom of priests. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. God is speaking to Moses to speak to the people of Israel just before he gives the law. So before he gives kind of rules of engagement of what you're supposed to do in order to honor him, he says, this is who I've called you to be. Kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And, and, and so this, this idea continued on. And, and some of you will remember um, a few weeks back when I taught on Jacob and his dysfunctional family. You guys remember that? Some of you will remember that? Does dysfunctional family remember the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Jacob or Israel? And came from four different baby mamas, and so just a little bit of a dysfunctional thing, but God used them. Well, one of those sons was Levi. And God eventually will carry forward this idea of the priesthood through the people of Israel, through one tribe that would be focused, and they would have specific duties to care for the temple and for the tabernacle and to help Israel worship God rightly. That's their big idea. So this phrase shows up 700 times in the Old Testament, and, and uh, you can really dig into that um, and, and see that their, their duties. So anytime you, you see uh, like the word Levites, it's from that tribe of Levi. It's from that son of Jacob, who his family were all the, all the, all the priests that really were carried on up until the time of Christ. And they had different you know, uh, duties, like carrying on the temple worship, uh, some of you are, are, are serving today in different things, helping so some of you are leaders in our church, and you help carry on and run the, the ministry of the temple, if you will. We don't call this temple, but, but um, of the sanctuary and of our services. Um, they would also be charged with, as a priest, like they were charged with raising up the next generation. We've got folks serving in our next-gen ministry next door today. Some of you serve in that throughout the, the month or, or throughout the week on our Wednesday nights with our students. Uh, priests were all charged with carrying the, the truth of, of who God is onto the next generation. But kind of the big idea of what a priest was called to do was to help Israel worship God rightly. I want you to, I want you to remember this idea because as this translates to the New Testament, it's going to help us understand our purpose as the royal priesthood to the world and in the local church. Our calling is a part of the royal priesthood. Well, time goes on. Jesus comes, we come to understand this, that the scriptures come together. And then there's a, a period of time in which far before the Catholic and Protestant split, at the time of the Reformation, the, the Catholic Church, and some of you were raised Catholic, I understand that. Um, the Catholic Church, they began to kind of see the, the clergy as kind of like an elite class who has special access to God. And that's part of what the reformers spoke to. They, they were highlighting phrases like this one that says, hey, hey, you're not the only one that has access to God. If you ever hear of a pastor saying that, you know, and, and hey, God puts, it doesn't discount spiritual authority. It doesn't discount the gifts that God puts on a minister, on, on a spiritual leader of a house. And God does that. He gives spiritual authority. And, and so I'll, I'll set that to the side and maybe come back to that. Um, but, but what the reformers were saying is, hey, hey, we're, we're all a part of the priesthood, according to Scripture. And so they were overreaching, they were overstepping their bounds and saying, hey, if you want to worship God, you've got to go through us. And that's just not the truth. 
that. If you want to be saved, then you got to do it through us. And hey, we're big on the church around here. Like We know the value and the importance of belonging to the body of Christ. I just taught on that last week. But you're not saved by what you do in the church. And, and I am not an access to your salvation in no way, shape, or form. In fact, spoiler alert for some of you who are new here, like Taryn and I and my family are, are, are taking a sabbatical this summer. Uh, we'll talk more about that um, next month. Uh, we'll, we'll be just set, stepping aside from the work of ministry. And in some ways, it's to help more strongly communicate that to us. Salvation, the word of God, does not just flow through me. It comes from the mouth of the Father and whoever he chooses to use. So we'll talk more, more about that uh, next month. Some of you are like, I don't know. You're freaking me out, Pastor. What do you say? We'll talk about that later. And so I, I want to help us process this idea uh, as they said, hey, we're, we're all the royal priesthood. If this is true, what does this mean? And, and I want to kind of share just three quick, easy truths. I say easy. That's, that's deceptive. Three deep truths um, that'll help us calibrate, will help us discover our purpose, help us understand what God's doing in our vocation. Let's start with this word, vocation. Because when we think of vocation, I, I think of like work. I'm like, what do you do for work? Um, but I heard a phrase a little while back that, that described vocation, that vocation is formed, it's not found. So I've been communicating it to people around a lot of corners. Because I think it's huge and it's profound to help us understand where we can find meaning and purpose. And it's not something that we go and, hey, finally, I'm going to find the job that finally makes me happy and gives me purpose. Going to finally find it. Maybe it's around this one. And I think a lot of people in um, like my parents, some of you are in my parents' generation or the generation before, we looked at our parents and our grandparents and they were in the same job forever. They were like, they worked there 45, 50 years, and then they retired. And a lot of that, I mean, I won't go into a big, you know, sociological, cultural thing here, but was just the desire for stability coming out of the Depression. Like, we wanted stability. That generation wanted stability in their job, and they provided that. So the, the, this generation, with that stability, up until the past year, has taken that and used, they felt a sense of freedom to be able to go, and there's vocational agility that we can move to different cities and we can do different things. And a lot of people look at this with kind of a, a downward look, even previous generations. And we see, hey, like, that's not a good thing. There, and maybe there is some things in which we're moving around a little bit too much because I think there's this undercurrent is we're trying to find something that'll make us happy. We're trying to, we're trying to find something in which I'll find purpose. But what if it's not going to be found? What if you jump around to careers and jobs your entire life and you never find it? What if vocation is actually formed? It's not found. What if it's something that God is doing in us and it's less about where we are and what we're doing and more about who we're becoming, where we're at, and how we're honoring God with what we're doing? Do you hear me today? What if vocation's formed and not found? I think of David. Some of you will be unfamiliar with his story, but David started as a shepherd. He was a shepherd in a family. Um, and he was the youngest, and he was kind of the runt of the crew, and, and he was out watching, uh, watching sheep, and that's what he did. I mean, uh, it, I've talked about this in the past, but over the course of history, shepherds 
particularly in the time of the Bible, shepherds at, at certain times were really highly valued profession, and other times, it just through history, it was like one of the lowest professions of all, just depending on what society and the culture was just changing its perspectives on shepherd. At this time, it was a low, it was a low perspective of shepherds, and, and David is out watching the sheep. He was faithful in that just over and over again, and one day, uh, while the people of Israel and his, all his brothers are up at the front lines, uh, fighting this Philistine army, 2 Samuel chapter 17. He's standing, there's this big Goliath out there, and he's defying the, the armies of God, and, and David gets, he gets a change of profession. He gets a, a vocational agility. He's no longer a shepherd. Now he's working Uber Eats for his, his, uh, his family, and he's running food to the front lines to care for them. And he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, well, this, this dude's like talking junk. <laughs> And he's like, nobody wants to fight him. And David's like, I'll, I'll fight him. And he steps in. And we see that, that beyond that season, he, he kind of rises up in, in fame and, and acclaim in society. They're singing songs about him. He, he gets brought to the, the courts of Saul, who's Israel's first king and a terrible king at that, but he's their first king. And, uh, and Saul will become jealous of David. And, and, and Saul will be turned to like, throw spears and kill young David, who everybody loves and, 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 I, and David goes on the run for his life. And I just think about those seasons of his life, and eventually he'll become king. And I, and I just wanted to communicate to us today, like, like I, David probably didn't understand the season he was in when he was in the cave running for his life. He didn't understand the season he was in when he was just running food. He didn't understand what, what God was forming in him and preparing him for. He didn't, he didn't understand it. He could not. He knew inside of him, and at one point, like he gets anointed, and so he clearly knows, I'm going to be king, but he's not there yet. In fact, that moment would lead to him running for his life in the most difficult season of his life, or one of them. He has multiple of them. One of the most difficult seasons of his life, running for his life. See, God was forming something in him all along, and I would just tell you, but he was faithful through it. You may not understand the season you're in, but be faithful in it because you're a royal priesthood and God's, God wants to use you in this season and he, he wants uh, to do something in you in this season. He wants to form something. So what if it's not trying to find the next thing, but saying, God, what's the next thing you want to do in me? And then just wait and let God lead. Let God open doors. And that doesn't mean you can't apply for jobs. You can't go and hustle and build your business. Do, do all those things. But I, I want to tell us, we've got to be faithful in the season we're in, even when we don't understand it. I talk to so many of us. The statistics are, match what I see. 90% of people would love to take a job that makes less money, but it's more meaningful to them. You know, so many people are just unhappy in their work. What, what, what if we just really got way more focused on instead of what we're doing and where we're at? And God, what are you, you forming? What are you doing in me? How can I be faithful to you here? You see, last week we talked about the calling to belong. This week it's really about a calling to become. To become a part of his royal priesthood. And we just kicked off casket empty. And I wasn't planning on going into this, but this past week we talked about, about Adam. And I didn't even have time to go into this, but, but really the ancient understanding of an image bearer. God created Adam and Eve in his image. And the ancient understanding was that, that for every, God had created these kingdoms in creation and kings. For those of you casket empty, if, if not, you can go back and look at it. God created kingdoms, right? And then he created kings to oversee and steward them. 
But this idea of, of Adam and Eve being kings over the creation to steward and to, 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 to uh, oversee the creation, hey, that's that royalty that we've been created for. It's, it's connected really all the way to Genesis and how we, God has designed us. But he, he's forming us into his image more and more every day. Second truth, I think we need to, to process as, as we know that, that God is forming something in us, even if we don't understand the season. It's that listening is going to be required to walk in purpose, to really begin to grab a hold of, of what God has for us. We've got to learn to listen. Uh, the other day, I, I had to get my boys. I had to lock them in and have a little dad moment. I'm like, God has given you two ears and one mouth for a reason. We got to learn to listen. We got to learn to listen. I want to talk for a second about the, the the spiritual practice, which is also a spiritual gift of discernment. And this is something that some people have a particular measure for. In fact, when I went to, uh, I went to school for music business, and uh, when two things, when you kind of get started in the, in the music department, uh, two required courses for everybody, and you take like four courses of this um, for four or two years every semester, it's uh, one is music theory, so it's all the knowledge of how music is put together. Spoiler alert, it's just like simple math is what music is. It's just very simple math. And then the other one is sight singing and ear training. So sight singing is being able to read notes, start with one note, and then read a sheet of music. And ear training goes with that. So hit one note, and then I'll sing this note. And that I just, I can hear and tell you what the difference of N, B, C, 1, 6, 4. Like I can do that, you know, I can... Tell you that Star Wars is one, eight, seven, six, five, I can, you know, and, but here's the deal. When I first got in school, I was good, really good at music theory. I understood the music because it's basic math. I couldn't mess it up really. So I would get A's in that and sighting and ear training. I was terrible at it. It wasn't because I was tone deaf. It wasn't because I could, but I just needed to grow in my ability to hear and to listen. So my first semester, I got a C. In my second semester, I got a B. In my third semester, I got an A. It, it literally went like that. I had to grow in my ability to, to listen and to hear. My ears had to be trained. Discernment is the ability to make careful distinctions about the truth. God, what's true? AKA to think biblically. That's what discernment is. The ability to make careful distinctions. God, is this true? Is what I'm seeing on the news true? <laughs> is what this TV show is communicating to me? Students, are you hearing me? What this is this true about what God says about who I am? About who we are? So not only that about truth, but also God's direction, his leading of our life. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the story of David shows up in uh, the book of Samuel, particularly the second part of that, 2 Samuel. It's the very beginning of that. So in the story of David, there's some other people that are prominent figures. Um, Saul being one of them, he was the first king for Israel. God didn't want them to ever have a king. He wanted to be their God, but they just wanted to be like everybody else and kind of wanted to, what royalty looked like. And he had already called them royalty. Somebody just needed to hear that for a second, and I'm just going to turn around and do a quick turn. God had already called them royalty. They just wanted to have royalty like everybody else. Somebody stop striving. Just rest. Like God will make it grow. God will make it grow. 
He, he's, he's got you. So there's Samuel, and then there's this other person, a prophet, a priest named Eli, at the very beginning of the story. And in First Samuel chapter 3, Eli is raising up this young man named Samuel, who the, 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 the book, the Chronicles, is kind of um, named after. And the, the scripture says that the lamp of God had not yet gone out from Eli. Uh, that's basically saying he was old and he hadn't died yet. <laughs> the lamp hadn't gone out yet. So uh, Eli was old and he, like his eyes weren't good. And it was late one night. They were ministering in the temple. Uh, kind of like we got Jesse and Owen back there. And, and, you know, Jesse was here and said, hey, you guys had to work the overnight shift of the temple. Let's just make it up. And, and Jesse's here. How old are you? Twelve. Awesome. Back there serving. Come on, give it up for him. That's amazing. What a great, great example. Yeah, let's, let's say Samuel was like 12 years old and he was in the temple of God and he was there serving uh, with, with Eli and he hears something in the middle of the night and something calling out to him, something stirring and it sounds like a voice calling out to him and I'm just going to do this in Kyle's translation, so just roll with me. And he shows up um, like, a, like Jefferson on Fresh Prince, like, you rang, sir. <laughs> um, he shows up to Eli and he's like, he's like I, I didn't, I, I'm sleeping, man, go, go back. I didn't call you. Go lay back down. And, and Samuel here goes back and lays down. And he hears it again, 12 years old. And he's, he's like, you rang, sir. He's like, look, I didn't, I didn't call you. Good I just imagine Eli just kind of scratching his head. It's like, okay, maybe God, this is God calling you. Like, if it happens again, if you hear this calling again, then just, just wake up and, and speak to the Lord. And, and here's what it says. Then the Lord came and stood there calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then the Lord, then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So I think even for Eli in his age, he had to, he had to tune his ear. Like, this was God speaking. God was calling this young man into his vocational ministry to serve in the house of God, to be a prophet, and to anoint David, the future king of Israel, the rightful king at that time. And he said, speak. And Samuel was learning to hear the voice of God, just as I had to do it in music school, just as Samuel and Eli had to even tune his ears in old age. You and I need to tune our ears. We need to learn to listen to the voice of God through the scriptures, but also through his Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Taryn's favorite scripture, one of them, I won't speak for her, one of her favorite scriptures is, is uh, Proverbs um, 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart um, and, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Can I just be honest? Like, I catch myself all the time leaning on my own understanding. Trying to figure out the situation with the kids. Trying to figure out this thing with the ministry. Trying to figure out what's going on in this relationship. Just leaning on my own understanding. And I get corrected regularly. Can we just, can we just embrace this today in our own life and every day? Someone just needs to write this on a note card and put it on your mirror in the morning, God, I'm not, I'm going to lean on, not on my understanding, but I'm going to, your, your wisdom, I'm going to trust in you, and he's going to make our path straight. Come on, anybody's path look all over the place? 
I think if we look at sometimes our journey, it looks like a, all over the place. If you look at David's journey, shepherd to warrior to fugitive to king, like that looks all over the place. But I'm telling you, that was a straight path because he had walked in faithfulness. It looks like all over the place to people, but God had a plan and he walked in faithfulness. But we've got to tune our ear to what God is speaking. If we're going to, as Paul says in Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit. I just always think of music. I just think of, come on. God, what are you doing right now? I'm just watching. I'm just waiting. If we're a royal priesthood, don't, now, now nobody go into your job tomorrow and be like, hey, I'm a priest. <laughs> don't do that. They're going to think you're weird. Do what I do. Just like hold it back. You know, just know it's, it's, who, it's who I am. And don't look down on, on what that looks like where you are or, or, or what you have your hands set to. Do it with all your might as if under the Lord, Colossians says. Come on, serve the Lord with all your might. Here's the, the last thing I want to tell you today. Band can come and get ready and, and close this in a song that's just going to be so poignant for, for this time. Uh, last thing, it's our purpose. Our purpose has to be aligned with God's kingdom. His kingdom work of reconciling all things to himself. I, I love the movie Shrek. Anybody a Shrek fan? Okay, just me. Cool. My kids don't like it either. I'm like, guys, this is a funny movie. Why do you not like it? Um, like Shrek says about our identity, like, we're like ogres. You know, we got layers. This is another layer of our identity. And we can have some layers out here of our purpose is to... Um, is to, to, to provide this service, to provide this business. But... And it's awesome. Like, let's provide that service. There is a purpose and there is meaning in making my hair not look all shaggy, man. It is. Did you get me on the counter this week? He's going to work it out. Praise God. Everybody say praise God, right? Yeah, say amen. There's purpose in that. But on the inside layers, we got to understand the inside layer. And that we, and our, our inner purpose has to be aligned with God's kingdom work of reconciling all things to himself. Or else you'll never find purpose in it. It's going to come and go. Somebody like, this is a game changer for how you view what you do and can like totally shift just everything. It can shift everything and how you feel meaning and purpose for the rest of your life if you'll get a hold of this today. So don't let this moment pass. Like the core part of our identity, it must be aligned with God's kingdom work of reconciling all things to himself. That means it doesn't matter who's writing your check and what your job description is. Doesn't matter what client you're working for. It doesn't matter what team you're on at the time. You got purpose. Hey, and you're not always going to love it. You're not always going to be connected to, to what it is you're doing in that moment. But we see our lives differently. We see our lives. This is why it's difficult for me to communicate. Hey, what, what do you do? It's like my whole, my whole life is, a, is an, like ministry. Like it's not... This is ministry, this is not ministry, this is now I'm doing my this. And we just make these little boxes in which God can use us and minister through us. And that's, we gotta, we gotta align. Paul got this. Acts chapter 18. Paul was a tent maker. Scripture says after this, Paul left Athens. He's on the move and he went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded the Jews to leave Rome. So Aquila and Priscilla are Jews. 
Paul is a converted Jew. He's a Christian. He's a Christ follower. And living on mission. Moving to different cities. God, wherever you have me. And he went to see this couple that he had heard about, that he had met. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them. So Aquila and Paul were both tent makers. They both were strapping things on, dealing with the leather distributors and working with the, the rope distributors over here. And, and then they would go back and they would just work. 35, 55 hours a week. I don't know what they were putting in, but they would just work. And, and here Paul was, he's, he was ministering, but he was also he was living in their home, discipling this guy who's a Jew. Like, you know he was talking about Jesus. And then on the weekend came, and then and on the Sabbath. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So it wasn't just something on the weekends he was doing. He was actually spending time. Scripture doesn't say in this Scripture that you know, Aquila, hey, he, he turned to Jesus, and it was this great conversion right here. But he was pouring into him. His life was a ministry. His life, he understood that he's a part of this royal priesthood. It doesn't matter what he puts his hands to. It doesn't matter what town he's in. It doesn't matter what his job description or, or, or role title is. He was a minister of the gospel. He was a part of the royal priesthood, and so are you. And so I just ask you today, what would it look like for us to align our lives with the purpose that God has for us? What, what would it look like is if this core part of our identity you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What if this royal priesthood has not even been on our radar or it's been on like the outer layers of our identity? What, what if in the next few moments as we pray and as we worship, what if we just say, God, would you just bring that into alignment in my life? Would you help that just move into the core part of my being that I know I'm chosen, I know I belong to you, I know that I belong to the body of Christ, God, would you help me to understand what you are calling me to become? And can you just imagine what would happen in the kingdom of God if this happened? They, they say for every community, there needs to be one church per thousand people. Communities of 100, 200, 500, whatever. There needs to be a church for every thousand people. Well, I don't know if you've seen the data, but it's rapidly growing. People are moving here every single day, like from all around the country. And, and can you imagine what would happen in the kingdom of God if, if the church got this? It's like, hey, no, that's the priest up there. Let me, let me take you to the priest. What if we really begin to understand, no, no, I'm part of that. And just like I said, that bridge earlier makes me uncomfortable. Like, and maybe that makes you uncomfortable. But what if we just say, God, just form me? Would you shape me? Would you bring this into alignment with your will? God, I'm learning to listen. God, I've ignored you before, but now I'm listening. God, here I am. Use me, whatever you want to do. Would you stand with me and maybe just take a posture uh, like, like, like um, Samuel did. Take a posture like David did and say, God, I want to be faithful. Take a, a posture like Paul said, God, it's not just a part of my ministry. My whole life is ministry. And I'm just going to pour it back out, my life, as a drink offering to you. Come on, would you just open up your heart? Say, God, whatever you want for me, God, I'm, I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant's listening. Father, right now in this moment, it's a holy moment for those watching online. It's a listening online for those right here in this room. God, it's a holy moment for us, God, because you're, 
You're shifting something for some of us. You're, you're moving our purpose. You're realigning God where we've just focused on our own business and our own ventures and our own vocation and we forgot our highest calling as sons and daughters to belong to you, but also to become a part of this royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. God, would you teach us? Would you move us? Would you stir in us? Would you seal us with your divine purpose in our life, God, that we would not forget it? We would never want for purpose and miss out on the purpose that's right in front of us. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We'd love to pray with you. If, if you're discerning, if you're praying through some things of purpose in your life, we would love to join with you. There's prayer partners here. Hey, if you're online, just shoot a text to Fathom at 97,000 and let us know how we can pray for you. We're here for you. Come on, church, let's worship and let's pray today. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you'll tune in again soon.